Okay, so we're still uh, learning about sukkah. We'll have um, probably today and one more class afterwards. Um, today we're going to talk about what types of food have to be eaten in the sukkah and how much of those types of food. And uh, next week we'll talk more about um, the mitzvah of letayel sukkah, which we translated as spending time in the sukkah. But, you know, how, how does that work and what does that mean practically? So today is going to be hopefully an exciting exercise in um, figuring out the process of the, how to understand the Gemara, the different, uh, different ways of understanding the Gemara, and of course there's one way practically, the Halacha Lamaisa, but also um, the, the, the different opinions in the Rishonim. So um, we've already seen the Mishnah on Dav Chafeya Medalef, which says that it's permissible to eat and drink um, Arai, um, which Ari Marinelli translated as a non um, sub, what did he use? Um, non substitute. Help me out, Ari. Sorry? Substantive. Substantive, yeah, whatever, that word. Um, right? Sorry? I can't hear you, Ari. Unmute. He's unmuted, but he's just not. Uh, whatever. Um, a snack, like a, a snack amount of food that you're allowed to eat outside the sukkah. It's interesting that the Gemara says shoisin, also to drink um, arai outside the sukkah. So um, it implies that shoisin, that to drink, if you're drinking in a way of keva, of uh, sort of a, 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 a substantial uh, sort of a, a, a sit down to drink, then there would be. Uh, ben Sian, can this wait? Um, it, 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 it implies that there would be a case where drinking would be obligatory to be in the sukkah. Um, and indeed, we already learned, the first time we started learning about sukkah, we learned the b'risa that um, enumerated what are the things that are obligatory to do in the sukkah, and one of the things was drinking. So we'll have to get back to that. That will be included in the, well, we'll, we'll touch upon it more today, but that will be more next week together with the spending time. Now, then, there's an, the next Mishnah. Oh, and how much, sorry, the, uh, we've already seen this in the last week, um, how much may one eat outside the sukkah? How much is arai? How much is considered not substan- uh, substantive thing? So we, then we brought the Rav Yosef and Abaya, and we pass in like Abaya, who says that it means the volume, the size of an egg. You have a piece of bread the size of an egg, that's considered a snack that can, can be sort of swallowed in one gulp in theory, and that's permissible to eat outside the sukkah. If you're having more than that, and it implies even if it's a tiny little bit more than that, then it must be eaten in the sukkah. Okay. Then this brings us to the next Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Maisa, here's a story. You ready for the story? Maisa, they brought the Yechel Manzakai to taste a cooked dish. They brought two dates, and a bucket of water. And they said, let's take them up to the sukkah. So they were sitting outside the sukkah. He was served to taste some cooked dish. He was served two dates and a jug of water. And he said, take them up to the sukkah. 
when they gave Rab Tzadik food less than the volume of an egg, not Mapa, he didn't wash his hands, instead he wrapped his hands with a um, cloth. And he ate it outside the sukkah, and he did not make an after blessing. So we had two, there's two halves of this Mishnah. The first half is the story that Rabbi Yechon Manzaka and Rabbi Gamliel were brought these foods which. Uh, um, which, uh, which which they ate in the sukkah, we'll see in a minute. And then Rabbi Yechemen Tzadik with his, oh, sorry, Rabbi Tzadik who ate the food less than a bear with all these, um, you know, he didn't wash his hands, he didn't eat it in the sukkah, and he didn't make an after blessing. Okay. That's the Mishnah. So the Gemara right away says, My Salister, you're contradicting yourself. You just told me in the previous Mishnah that you may eat temporary. Uh, like a snack, you may, less than a bear, yeah? You're allowed to eat outside the sukkah. And now you're telling me that they brought Rabbi Yechon Manzake to taste the cooked dish, and he says, take it up to the sukkah. And they brought Rabbi Gamliel two dates and a jug of water, and he said, take it up to the sukkah. So, w- w- which one is it? Like, what, you're telling me a halacha, and then you're telling me a story which contradicts the halacha that you've just told me. Yes? So the Gemara says, Chasuri Machzor is a mechanism which the Gemara uses many times, that actually the Mishnah is, you have to read the Mishnah as if it was missing a few words. And uh, what the Mishnah is essentially saying is, um, that if a per- it's true that, as we said in the previous Mishnah, that one may eat a snack less than a kabetza outside the sukkah, but if you want to be machmir, if you want to be stringent and eat everything, even a little taste of a dish in the sukkah, then you may be machmir, you may, be, you may do so. And <coughs> we're not, we don't say, oh, you know, don't be so holy. Sometimes, in order we say, this chumrah, it's only appropriate to do it if you're really fit to do that. If you're really um, so holy in every other aspect, then you could be holy here. But from the fact that the Mishnah tells us this story, it's teaching us that if you want to be machmir, you can be machmir to eat anything in the sukkah, and that's a valid chumrah. Okay, then the Gemara goes on to analyze the second half of the Mishnah with Reb Tzodek eating this thing and wrapped up with wrapping in, the, in his hand in the cloth, etc. We'll, we'll skip that for now. I don't think it's going to be relevant to our discussion today. Um, then there's another Mishnah which says... Um, that um, we, we, we learned this mission in the, in the past. It brings up a lesser's opinion that uh, a person is obligated to eat 14 meals in the sukkah throughout, yeah, every, every day. We have seven days, and every night and every day you have to eat a meal in the sukkah. And then we have the opinion of the Chachamim that says, there's no minimum requirement of meals to eat in the sukkah. If you want to eat, if you want to survive the whole sukkah, so only eating snacks, that's okay. Um, and with the exception of the first night, the first night you have to eat in the sukkah. And then the Mishnah says that according to Rabbi Lazar, if you miss one of the 14 meals, so then, or if you miss the first of the 14 meals, according to Rabbi Lazar, you can um, make it up on Shemini Atzeres. How do you make it up? So the Gemara says, and this is, um, we don't pass like Rabbi Lazar, so it's, Sort of Rebbe's opinion in and of itself isn't relevant in the Maisa, but this comment that the Gemara makes is going to be relevant in today's discussion. Is the Gemara says, How do you make it up? How do you 
make up for the meal that you missed. And the Gemara says, Bamine Targima, with types of food. So depending on what type, uh, depending on what Mine Targima means, that's going to help us determine which types of food have to be eaten in the Sukkah. Because the assumption is that if you're um, making up your meal that you missed in the Sukkah by eating Mine Targima in the Sukkah, well, Mine Targima must be a type of food that requires Sukkah. Now, usually Mine Targima means a snack, but what type of snack? So that we'll have to get back to um, to see. But it does imply from this Gemara that mini targima must be eaten in the sukkah. So that summarizes everything we've said until now. Um, the first Mishnah says that food less than the kibetzah, food less than the size, sorry, that food the, 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 the size of an egg or less may be eaten outside the sukkah. The second Mishnah says with the story of Rabbi Yechon and Manzakai and Rabbi Gamliel, the way it's understood by the Gemara, that if you want to be machmir, if you want to be extra strict to eat even a small, less than that in the sukkah, that is a valid chumrah. And then we have the, the, the third Mishnah with the comments of the Gemara that imply that mine targima, types of food which fall under the category of mine targima, must be eaten in the sukkah. Um, now before we move on, I think it's very interesting to point out this Mishnah, the middle Mishnah, that, and the way that Gemara understands it, is telling us that you could be machmir more, is, um, is recorded by the Rambam and the Torah and Shulchan Aruch, that if somebody wants to be machmir, somebody wants to be extra strict, and to refrain from e- drinking even water outside the sukkah, um, um, then Harez Meshubach, he is praiseworthy. And I think this is very interesting. I don't think in, in, in throughout uh, every area of halacha, there's chumras, there's the, the, the basic halacha, and then there's a chumrah, there's an extra, extra better way to do it. But I think it's rare that we find a chumrah which, is, which it says in the Mishnah. It says in the Mishnah that if you want to be machmir, so even though we find throughout, um, throughout the, the Mishnah and the Gemara, we find certainly that there were many amiroim and tanoim who did not do this chumrah, and who they did eat snacks outside the sukkah. But the, 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 the source for the Chumrah, which is common practice today and is certainly the strict practice of Chabad, to refrain from drinking even water outside the Sukkah is explicit in the Mishnah. I think that's, I think that's unique. I, don't know, uh, I certainly don't know offhand of another Chumrah which is explicit in the Mishnah as a Chumrah. Usually the Mishnah tells you halachas. Here you have a case where the Mishnah is telling you a Chumrah. I think it's, um, I th- I, I, I think it's unique. Okay, any questions so far? All right. So now we're going to move on to another Gemara, this Gemara in Yuma, which discusses this Mishnah, and then after we see that Gemara, we'll put it all together and we'll work out the Halacha Lamaisa. So here. This is a Gemara in Yuma Dafayin Tess. It starts in Amadal, goes to Amad Beis. And the, the, the discussion in the Gemara over here is how much does a person have to eat on Yom Kippur in order to um, violate the, 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 to be chayiv, to be liable for, 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 for violating Yom Kippur. So the Gemara says that it has to be Kesebes Hagaso Im Garinoso. We're discussing, one second, it has to be like a like a big date, the size of a big date, 
Um, and there's a the discussion whether or not this includes the, 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 how do you measure the size of a big date? Is it including the pit of the date or just the date without the pit? And in the context of that discussion, the Gemara in Yuma quotes our Mishnah. And the relevant piece of the Mishnah is that Rabbi Gamaliel, um, Rabbi Gamaliel had two dates. He had two dates, and he took them to the sukkah, but the Gemara says it was only a chumrah. That, strictly speaking, Rabbi Gamaliel would have been allowed to eat those two dates outside the sukkah. So, now we know, how much, how much is two dates in compared to an egg? This is what the Gemara is trying to figure out over here. In the, compared to an egg, are two dates bigger than an egg, or are two dates smaller than an egg? Well, we know that more than an egg must be eaten out of the sukkah, must be eaten in the sukkah. So if two dates was only a chumrah to eat in the sukkah, it must be, right, Rabbi Gamliel ate the two dates in the sukkah, but it was only a chumrah. Strictly speaking, he was allowed to eat the two dates outside the sukkah. So it must be that two dates is less than an egg. So the Gemara wants to apply that to the discussion at hand to determine that the size of you eating a Yom Kippur, which is a Kesevis, a Gasa, a Garinosa, a big date with its pit, in this, according to this approach, is less than an egg. Because if two dates without pits are less than an egg, then one date with a pit is probably also going to be less than an egg. That's the assumption the Gemara makes. But then the Gemara says, no, actually, um, two dates um, without the pits Basically, that the pit is more than fifty is more than the pit is bigger than the fruit, and therefore, okay, seves hagasa one big date with a pit is more than an egg, but two regular dates without the pits are smaller than an egg. Right? So let's say let's give it all numbers. Let's say again, completely random numbers. Don't take them seriously. But let's say an egg is um, fifty. Um, 50 gram, well, no, what would be a volume? Uh, 50 uh, ounces, right? Two dates without the pits will be 45, and one big date with the pit will be 55. So that's the way the Gemara irons it all out. That is the opinion of Rabbi Yermia in the Gemara. It's very important to remember all the different stages because it's gonna, oh, everything's going to have ramifications on sukkah. Um, that's the way Rabbi Yermia understands the Gemara. Then the Gemara quotes the opinion of Rava, and Rava says, No! No, no, no. Two dates is more than an egg. Ah, if two dates are more than an egg, why, do, why does the Gemara say that Rabbi Gamliel only was eating them in the sukkah as a chumrah, but strictly speaking he was allowed to eat them out of the sukkah? Because dates are fruit, and fruit you're allowed to eat out of the sukkah. When we say that you're allowed to eat, that more than an egg has to be eaten in the sukkah, that's if you're eating bread the size of more than an egg. Right? But if you're eating dates, you can eat as many as you want outside the sukkah. Right? Now, Rabbi Yirmiya doesn't say this explicitly. So that's the Gemara here. The, the Rabbi Yirmiya doesn't say this explicitly, but implicit from this discussion is that Rabbi Yirmiya holds that fruit have to be eaten in the sukkah. Right? Because Rabbi, Rabbi Yirmiya grapples with the dates... Right, so Rabbi Yirmiya holds that Rabbi Gamliel ate two dates, and the reason he was allowed to eat the two dates outside the sukkah is because it's less than an egg, and that's why it was only a chumrah for him to eat it in the sukkah. But what if they had given him three dates? 
then he would have had to eat it in the sukkah according to Rabbi Yirmiya. Right? So Rabbi Yirmiya holds up fruit has to be eaten in the sukkah. Yeah, didn't you get that? <laughs> right? So this is all strange to us because we know that we know that fruit, we know that, yeah, we, we know the halakha lamaisa. We know we've grown up our whole life that fruit may be eaten outside the sukkah, strictly speaking, right? But you can't take anything for granted when you learn Gemara. Right? Now, the way, I'm going to teach you this Gemara the way the Rosh understands it. Hold on a second. The rush inserts over here an additional, an additional segment, so to speak, and it appears the rush is the father of the tour. He's like one of the the three the three pillars of our, of of halacha. Who basically we the primary way of determining halacha is to take. You take those three authorities and you follow the majority. So if they disagree, then you say, okay, what are two out of three say? It's the Rambam, the Rif, and the Rosh, right? So the Rosh is really, of course, yeah, he's one of the primary uh, pillars in determining the Halakha. He, he understands this Gemara that actually, even if you say that fruit, that you do have to eat fruit in the sukkah, right? Even if you say that you have to eat fruit in the sukkah. You, you, there's another criteria. It's not enough that you should have to eat more than a more than an egg's worth. So let's say three dates, right? Even Rava, everyone, even Rabbi Yirmiya, according to says the Rosh, would agree that you could eat three dates out of the sukkah if you're eating them as a snack. But if you if you're making this your meal, now I don't know exactly what that would look like to make this your meal. You know, you sit down with a knife and fork, maybe whatever it is. If you're making, if you're if you're making this your meal. Right, the fruit platter, yeah. Then you're on a you're on a diet. That's whatever it's called, yeah. That's when Reb Yirmiyah would hold that you have to eat um, the fruit in the sukkah. And Ravas, that then comes along Rava, and he says, no, that fruit don't need a sukkah. What, what does Rava say? Rava saying, no, that even if you're having 75 dates and it's your meal and that's all you're eating now, you're sitting down and that's your, your breakfast and your lunch and your supper is dates, doesn't matter. If it's fruit, it doesn't need a sukkah. That's the way the Rosh understands this Gemara. And he says, um, okay, and he, he brings a proof, we, we, let's, we won't get into it right now, he brings a proof from the, from the Hemshech of the Gemara that that's, ha- that's the Pshat in the Gemara. There is a big problem with that Pshat in the Gemara. Um, that if that's the case, th- this is a mathematical thing. Follow me through this equation over here. The Rosh is arguing that, f- that so we have Machlokas, Rabbi Yirmiya, and Rav. Rav says fruit can always be eaten out of the sukkah, and Rabbi Yirmiya says that fruit. Um, must be eaten in the sukkah, but obviously you need two, 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 two criteria. First of all, you have to eat eating more than the size of an egg, obviously, because even bread, you could eat less than an egg out of the sukkah. And B, it has to be eaten as a kvias, as a meal. Right? No, that's it. Now, 
If that's the case, something seems to be very difficult in this Gemara. Because, again, what's the context? We're not learning Sukkah. This is Yuma. This is Yom Kippur. What's the context over here? We're trying to determine whether the... the, the we know that you, there's this... There's this Share of how much you not how much you you violate your obligation. There is an obligation for eating an Yom Kippur. It's like a date with uh, um, with the pit, and we're trying to figure out is that more than an egg or less than an egg. Says Rabbi Yirmiya, Says the Gemara. Hold on. Um, if two eggs, if two dates was allowed to be eaten out of the sukkah, if two dates were allowed to be eaten out of the sukkah, um, if two dates were allowed to be eaten out of the sukkah, so it must be that two dates are less than the size of an egg. Right? right? Hold on, no. Maybe two dates are more than the size of an egg, and the reason they were allowed to be eating out of the sukkah was because it was a snack and not a meal. Yeah? But it's, okay. You follow the problem with the rush? So it doesn't have anything to do with fruit. It's now that they're not counting as a meal. Right. So that's a question on the rush. The Mogan Avram asks this question on the rush. The Mogan Avram doesn't answer the question. Um... It's interesting that the rush, we're going to see, soon see the rush inside, but I'm trying to sort of preempt everything so that when we see the rush, everything falls into place neatly. Um, the rush, th- th- there is a dissenting opinion in the rush, which is the Maharami Rutenberg. Maharami Rutenberg was, I believe he was the Rebbe of the rush, um, and he's, the, he's famous for the unpaid ransom, yeah, that he, was, he died in prison, that he would not let them pay ransom for him because he didn't want that to serve as precedent for them to capture rabbis and have ransom paid. Anyway, so, but the Maram Rutenberg, the way the Rosh records the Maram Rutenberg is that he, he indeed held that according to Rabbi Yirmiya, you're not allowed to eat, fr- if you're having more than two dates, more than the size of an egg worth of fruit, you have to eat them in the sukkah, even if it's only a snack and not a meal which would seem at face value to f- be more of the, the, the simple reading of, of the Gemara. Right? That, that would seem to fit better with this, um, with this thing. But what are we going to do in the defense of the Rosh? How does the Rosh make any sense? So one possible, the Mogan Avram, like I said, the Mogan Avram asks the question and he doesn't answer. But one possible explanation of the Rosh is suggested by the Karban Nisanel, which is printed on the page of the Rosh at the bottom, where he has a different twist to this whole thing, but w- I'll just take out one point of the Karban Nisanel is, he says that the, r- the Rosh was uncomfortable to say that the, re- again, wh- wh- let's just recap, it's always important to recap. What are we saying over here? The Rosh says that Obviously, if you're eating fruit as a snack, you don't need to eat it in the sukkah, even according to Rabbi Yirmiya. If that's the case, how could the Gemara and Yuma use Rabbi Gamliel as a proof that, that, that two dates are, more, are, are, are less than the size of an egg? It could be that two dates is more than the size of an egg, and Rabbi Gamliel was eating them outside. Was, the reason why Rabbi Gamliel was allowed to eat them outside the sukkah was because he was eating them as a snack. Says the Karman Nisanel, no, if the reason Rabbi Gamliel was allowed to eat them outside the sukkah was because it was a snack, then why does the Mishnah even tell me that story? That's the first story in the Mishnah. Remember, there's two parts of the story. They brought Rabbi Yechonim and Zakkai to taste the food. To taste, taste is certainly less than an amount, right? And um, Rabbi Gamliel, they brought him to they brought him uh, the, the two dates. So if Hold on. I'm blanking out over here in the carbon tunnel. Just a second. 
I'm sorry, the carpet and sandal is saying something else. One second. So, so, sorry, so the Karmanus Anna says like this. The Mishnah says two stories. One is that Rabbi Yechon ben was brought to taste the Tavshil. And the second is that Rabbi, Rabbi Gamliel ate the, the, uh, was brought the, the jug of water and the, two, and the two dates, right? If the reason why Rabbi Gamliel brought the two dates, well, sorry, if the reason why Rabbi Gamliel was allowed to eat the two dates outside the sukkah was because he was eating them derech arai, so then why bother telling me the story of Rebbechon and Menzakai? Rebbechon and Menzakai was brought to eat something as a snack. This time to taste, taste as a snack. And Rebbe Gamaliel has brought something as a snack. So why are you telling me both stories? But if, the, but if you say that the reason Rebbe Gamaliel was allowed to eat it out of the sukkah was because of the amount of you, the quantity of what he was eating, then it makes sense that there's two stories. The first story teaches me that the Khumra was, even though he was eating it as a snack, he still was machmir. And the second story is telling me that even though he was eating it as a, he was eating less than the amount that you have to eat in the sukkah, he was also machmir. So that's the, 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 the carbon Nisanel says. It's in defense of the rush. I could ask many questions on this carbon Nisanel. It certainly doesn't seem logic, a logical imperative, um, which is what you, in order to bring you proof for the size of a thing, it needs to be a logical imperative, otherwise it's not a proof. But that's what, that, that's, uh, as of where I'm at today, that's the only understanding I have in the rush. So now, with all those introductions, let's go through the rush inside and see how he qualifies all the different types of food. And before we do so, I want to ask if anybody wants me to clarify anything. We're all going to forget it, but that doesn't, just because you're going to forget it doesn't mean you don't have to learn it. All right. So the Rosh starts off as he usually does. He quotes the he quotes the Mishnah and he quotes the relevant Gemaras. But then he says like this: Meir, that's the Maharam Mirutenberg. he was careful. He didn't eat any fruit outside the sukkah, even Derechara, Even though he was eating them as a snack, he didn't eat them outside the sukkah. Now, before we continue in the Rosh. There could, w- w- there could be two possible reasons why the Maharami Rutenberg was careful not even to snack on fruit outside the sutta. What are those two reasons? Any, any suggestions? Oh, so it's possibly because he was doing the Khumra, just the Mishnah says. They did this Khumrah that even things that will have to be eaten inside the sukkah, outside, what may be eaten outside the sukkah, they ate in the sukkah. So it's possible that if I tell you, somebody, in this case the Maram Ratumbuk, was machmer to eat fruit in the sukkah. What, why would he do that? So you could say that he did that because he was being machmer, like the Mishnah says, but the Rosh says that's not the reason. What, sorry? The other option is he didn't want to set an example that could be misinterpreted. What could be misinterpreted? That you could eat outside the sukkah, maybe people wouldn't be careful about exactly what they're eating outside the sukkah. Okay, so that's still under the genre of chumrah. In other words, you're saying that he didn't really, the Maram Rotenberg didn't really think he had to do this, but he did this for uh, whatever, you know, there was a sort of an external reason. 
But there's another option, and that's the option that the Rosh says. He says the reason why the Maram was careful to eat fruit in the sukkah, because he was machmi like Rabbi Yirmiya. Rabbi Yirmiya, we just saw the Gemara in Yuma, which says that Rabbi Yirmiya holds that you have to eat fruit in the sukkah. The only reason Rabbi Gamliel was strictly speaking allowed to eat the two dates outside the sukkah was because they were less than the size of an egg. But if they would have been more than the size of an egg, according to Rabbi Yirmiya, he would have been obligated to eat them in the sukkah. Right? Yeah. Says the Rosh, <laughs> Okay, so the Rosh says, and I already told you before what he's going to say, that even according to Rabbi Yermia, you only have to eat fruit in the sukkah if you're actually making your meal out of this. But if you're just snacking on fruit, then you have, then, then even according to Rabbi Yermia, even if you're eating 75 dates, you well, seventy-five dates might be kavir, but if yeah, the Rosh says he doesn't he doesn't spell out what what specific thing would make it is sort of determines whether this is a snack or a meal, but um, but um, but he says that if you're making your meal over it, that's when Rabbi Yirmiyah would hold you have to eat it in the sukkah. But if you're just doing it as a snack, even Rabbi Yirmiyah would say. You doesn't. You don't have to eat it in the sukkah. Now, the way the commentaries understand the rosh is that because the rosh makes this comment, sort of in contrast to the Maharam Rutenberg, that means that the Maharam Rutenberg holds that held that no, that even if you're just snacking um, on the fruit, if you're eating more than the size of a, an egg, Rabbi Yirmiyah would hold that it has to be eaten in the sukkah. Yes. Then the Rosh adds three words, drinking wine, that is by definition arai. That is um, that is by definition not keva, that's arai. And uh, no, I'll be happy to, to show you after another half an hour. Or, or or tomorrow or you know okay, later today. You leave it here by Mincha by by Shavu Brachas. Whatever I'll show you after. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, the um, right. So drinking wine is 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 by definition says the Rosh that's temporary doesn't need to be eaten in the sukkah, which like I already alluded to before, we have to understand what that means because it's explicit in the Mishnah that drinking. Um, and in the Brayse, that drinking is included in the obligation of sukkah. So, if drinking wine is permissible, so, so what type of drinking is part of the obligation of sukkah? So that's the last to be understood. Rabbeinu Peretz Zal Kosaf. The Rosh continues. He quotes Rabbeinu Peretz, and he says, "Dafke Peri When we say rava, so what have we spoken about so far explicitly? Bread and fruit. Are the, is is it just those two categories, or is this a spectrum? Says so Rabbeinu Peretz, no, it's only fruit, only Fruit have to be eaten. Um, only fruit may be eaten outside the sukkah. but meat and cheese, and other things other than fruit, do need to be eaten in the sukkah. So Rabbeinu Peretz says the heter to eat outside the sukkah is only with fruit, an apple, an orange. That's a snack. But you're gonna have meat. You're gonna have cheese. You're gonna have. She says other things besides fruit. It could be anything. It could be. Uh, uh, 
vegetables would probably be the same as fruit, but whatever, any other substantial food must be eaten in the sukkah, says Rabbeinu Peretz. It's interesting because nowadays... <laughs> It's very common for people to have a meal with no bread. But in the olden days, the mainstay of the meal was bread. You had bread, and then you had meat with the bread. You had, you know, everything else was... And that's, that's, why, that's why the halacha is that, that, that if you're having meat and potatoes for supper, you make a bracha on the meat, you make a bracha on all the different things. But if you're washing, then you make the bracha on the bread, and that exempts the bracha for everything else. Because the way Chazal set it up is that everything else is secondary to the bread. Right? But nowadays, it is very common that people do that, and so it's strange. Again, our custom is that we only eat everything in the sukkah, but you could very well on sukkahs have a huge meal. You could go to a restaurant and have a $300 steak and uh, side dishes and rice and potatoes and salad and uh, eat eat, uh, gluttonous, you know, and not have to eat it in the sukkah, right? So it's very strange. So Rabbeinu Peret says no. Rabbeinu Peret says Basar, greeno, cheese, meat, all of these things that are real food, which are food which provide uh, nutrition and sustenance, those have to be eaten in the sukkah. Fruit is the exception. Fruit is by definition a snack. Where does Rabbeinu Peretz get this from? Remember, I said this before. The Gemara says that... I have all these reminders popping up here. The Gemara says that you can, according to Rebbe who holds it as a concept of Tashlumin, he says you could be mashlim, you could compensate what you missed eating in the sukkah by eating minitargima. So it must be, if you could compensate it with minitargima, it must be that minitargima are something which must be eaten in the sukkah. What's minitargima? Says Rebbe Peretz, minitargima means meat and cheese and other such types of foods. Not like Rashi who says that Minatagima means fruit. Because Rabbeinu Peretz says, how could, how could Minatagima mean fruit if fruit, it's explicit that you don't need, the, don't need to eat them in the sukkah. So if you don't need to eat them in the sukkah, how could you be mashlim what you missed eating in the sukkah by eating something that doesn't even need to be eaten in the sukkah? Over to Sefta. And then the Sefta says, Um, he quotes it this after which says that the bracha on mini targima is mazainus. Now, if the bracha on mini targima is mazainus, what is mini targima? It, must, it can't be fruit and it can't be uh, meat and it can't be cheese. It must mean cake. some cake. Oh, now, cake. So, we've mentioned this in the past that within the mazainus, there's two types of mazainus there's, there's bread, which is mazainus because it's not the type of bread that you usually. Um, have a meal on, that includes cake and cookies and crackers, all of these things, because essentially they're bread. It's flour with liquid and it's baked. Those are the primary qualities of bread. But because it doesn't have, the liquid is not water, it's juice, or it has sugar, or it has sweet fillings, or whatever it is, for those reasons we, do, we downgrade it from hamaitzi to mazainus. But essentially it's bread. In, in, in halakhic terminology it's called pasababikistin. Bread. Then there's other things which are mazainus, which are not bread. They're just, they're, they're food, they're cooked foods. If it's cooked, the, 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 the primary difference between bread and non-bread is whether it's cooked or baked, right? So, um, uh, uh, porridge, pasta, those type of things, donuts, which are deep fried, right? Those things are... Kugel. Are, uh, right. Kugel, yeah, pasta kugel, your shal, kugel. Like, uh, a bagel, isn't it? 
So uh, some bagels are boiled if they make them properly, but they're also baked. They bake them and then they boil. They boil them and then bake them. I think I think they they bake it after they boil it, no? Yeah, they boil it then they bake it. Right. So the I guess the baking uh, renders that thing. But donuts are only fried and, right. and also donuts even the, even if it's shallow fried it's nothing, but if it's mamish deep fried like donuts right. are then right so donuts, you know, c- c- crackers if you eat if you if you have a meal out of crackers you have to wash and make a mochi. If you have a meal out of donuts, donuts not recommended, but you wouldn't have to make a mochi because donut uh, right. So so if the Tisefta says that Minutagima is not Minutagima is not bread. So wafers, crackers, co- cookies, those things are for sure not Minutagima. Those are bread. Right? They're Mazoinus, but they're bread. If we're saying that Minutagima mean is Mazoinus, it must mean it's a cooked food made of the five grains. Namely, um, let's use the example of pasta. By the way, I'm not going to get into this whole discussion now, but there are those who argue that lasagna is Hamoitzi. Because what's lasagna? It's made out of noodles, which are flour and water, and it's baked in the oven. So it's hamotzi, it's bread. Um, the counter-argument is that the... the, 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 the noodles are secondary the, the, No, the noodles can never be secondary. Mazoin is never secondary. The counter-argument is that the noodles don't cook um, from the heat of the oven. They cook from the heat of the, of the liquid, of the cheese and the tomato sauce. That's what makes it soft. So it's it's co- you put it in the oven, but it's 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 cold cooked. But you know, if the top part of the of the pasta thing, if you don't have a lot of sauce on top, and the top layer becomes crispy, then arguably that would be hamotzi, even according to everybody. Those so are boiled before you bake them. The, well, those are the old-fashioned ones. Nowadays, they're made in different. It depends. There's different ways of making. They're made into noodles somehow. There's different. No, they're not. The raw noodles that you buy in the store are not cooked. It's just flour and water processed in such a way. Anyway, um, what some people do boil them before, but even if you do boil them before, okay, whatever, it doesn't matter. There's different ways of making lasagna. Again, I don't want to get into that whole discussion. I'm just mentioning that. Now, so so again, we have this proof from the Gemara that mine targima, at least according to Rabbeinu Peretz, that mine targima can, must be eaten in the sukkah. But we have here. Three opinions technically about what mini targima is. Rashi says the fruit, Rabbeinu Peretz says it's meat and cheese, and the Rosh brings in proof from the Tisefta that it's um, that it's mazonis, that it's like pasta and porridge. Now, the, how Rashi deals with it, I don't know. I mean, I could, could suggest a number of things, but certainly we've established that fruit um, we don't have to eat in the sukkah. Only there was the opinion of the Marami Rutenberg, and um, and um, but but Legabe. Mazoinus um, foods like like pasta and porridge. Um, that's the that's the opinion of the rosh. And the parrot says meat and cheese. Okay, that's the end of the rosh. Now we don't have time to go through all the uh, all the paskim. I want to go through this in the Alter Rebbe How we paskin and Isa. There are some differences for those who follow the rulings of the Mishnah Bura, which I will do my best to point out as we go along. <laughs> Just get up in the morning, wash me, come out, see, and... Mm-hmm. Right. right, Dan? He's saying yes, but he's on mute, so... I know, right? um, oh, are, you, are, you on the, are you on the Zoom also? No. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so... First of all, Tafri Shlabitess, see Vav in the Alter Rebbe. He says, Hamavdil Alakoy, somebody who makes Havdola on... 
a cup of on the cup. Yeah, again, you can make a dollar on wine, a grape juice, on beer, whatever you're making a dollar on. You have to do so in the sukkah. Because the rest of the year you go into your house to make a dollar, and to everything that you do in your house, you have to do in the sukkah. So you have to do have dollar in the sukkah. So Havdalah must be made in the sukkah, but um, Havdalah does not warrant its own leishe basukkah. It's something you have to do in the sukkah that doesn't warrant its own leishe basukkah, just like teal. We're going to talk about this next week. But teal, spending time, is something which must be done in the sukkah, but under most circumstances, again, details to come next week, we don't make a bracha on spending time in the sukkah. Even sleeping, which is something which must be done in the sukkah unless you have... Uh, an exemption, but the sort of the, 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 the default is that sleeping is something which must be done in the sukkah, but under most circumstances, you don't make a bracha on sleeping in the sukkah, and the same would be Fabdallah. Fabdallah must be made in the sukkah, but you don't make a bracha leish of the sukkah. Um, the mechanism is that there are things which you have to, you must do in the sukkah, but instead of making a leish of the sukkah directly on them, they are included in the leish of the sukkah that you made earlier on in the day or later on in the day, or later on in the day when you ate food. And again, we'll discuss that more next week. Okay. Then the Alta Rebbe says you may eat achilas arai chutz sukkah. You're not allowed to sleep achilas uh, a nap, a short nap outside the sukkah, etc., etc. And then we move on to sifudalif. Kvaramarnu. We have already established shamutelach achilas arai chutz sukkah. It's permissible to eat a achilas arai outside the sukkah. The kamei achilas arai. How much is this? Kebetsa, an egg. Shekain derech adam nitim. Because sometimes you might have a snack, even of a bread, of a cracker, of a cookie, outside your house of a egg uh, that size. But nobody ever eats um, seven cookies just walking down the street as a snack. If you do that, you're a nobody. Um, right? um, okay. Says Al Rebbe, a very important qualification. This is only true, but passed with regards to bread. which is made from the five types of grain. very important words coming up here. or with a cooked dish. Why is that so important? Because what's the source that? Um, That you should have to that 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 eating a tafshal, eating a cooked dish of five the five types of grain is obligated in the sukkah. It's this rush of mina targima. If you say that mina targima means those types of food, and the Gemara says that you could make up compensate for not eating in the sukkah according to Rabbi Lazar with mina targima. So ipso facto, right, it comes out that mina mizonis must be eaten in the sukkah. And the Alter Rebbe takes this on completely all the way that if you have a bowl of porridge which is more than the size of an egg, you must eat it in the sukkah and you can make a bracha leishim sukkah. However, for those who um, follow the psakim of the Mishnah Brura, so if I recall correctly, the Mishnah Brura is mesupik about this. And he certainly leaves room for other. I don't remember if he says that you must do this or as a chumrah, but he certainly recommends. And in outside of Chabad, there is indeed people who have this chumrah not to eat, um, like you said, everything you have to wash before and afterwards, right? That not to eat things like pasta and porridge, etc., in the sukkah without making leishu basukkah on um, bread first. So again, either bread or crackers, cookies, those type of things. But um, but just to make a leishu basuka on a cooked dish of the five types of grain, 
um, and th- th- there is room for doubt um, because uh, not necessarily is that what Mini Targiba means, and not necessarily, even if it is what it means, not necessarily does it need a bracha if you're just eating them as a snack, not as a meal, and etc. There's more svaras. Again, the Mishnah Bura brings all these different things, and therefore there, there is room for such a chumrah. But for us who follow the rulings of the Alter Rebbe, we don't need to worry about that. And you could have your bowl of porridge or your pasta, whatever it is, and make a leisha basukha with no qualms. Avol Mishar, meaning Machalim, other types of food, and certainly fruit. So again, now that we have all this background, we see that every word over here is exact. Shar means other types of food, means fruit, uh, meat and cheese. That means fruit, right? We're differentiating, we're explicitly differentiating or, or, or spelling out the difference between fruit, fruit and, and, and other types of food because even though we're going to say that they all don't need to be eaten in the sukkah but they need to be spelled out because we need to explicitly um, address Rabbeinu Peretz and, the, and all the different opinions and the Maram, Mirotenberg I feel like even if you eat and listen to and listen, I mean, I just want to point out for you I'm reading this line in Alter Rebbe how you would have understood this line, this paragraph before, t- before we learned the background of the Gemara and the Rosh, and how now that we've learned the background, we could see how every word is coming to, 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 to address a specific point. Right? Again, we're talking about bread, made from the five types of grain that needs to be eaten in the sukkah, or a cooked dish made from the five types of grain. But other types of food, or and certainly fruit, again, explicitly saying other types of food like meat and cheese, or fruit, and then, even if you're eating a lot of them, even if you're fixing your meal on them. So before I learned the Rosh, I would have just read this, yeah, even if you're eating a lot and you're making your meal out of them. But now, I know, now that we've learned the background, we see the Alter Rebbe is sort of pointing to everything. Even if you're eating many of them, which addresses the opinion of the Maharami Rutenberg that when he ate many fruit, he ate them in the sukkah. Even if you're not just eating a lot of them, but you're eating them as a meal, not just a snack, which is the, ta- the, which is the scenario where the Rosh gave room for such an opinion, and he said that we don't need, that we don't need the sukkah. So in all of these cases, that with, the, with, that, with all those different phrases, the Alter Rebbe has addressed all the opinions that the Rosh brings, and he says, One may eat them outside the sukkah, because even if you're having a full meal over meat and cheese and, and steaks and all of these things, it's considered like Aray Shalpas, it's considered it's equal to having less than the egg size, uh, size of an egg of a piece of bread. So, Lamaisa, the halacha Lamaisa is very clear. I, I want to point out that Lamaisa, we know that this is the halacha, but the minhag is the chumr to be machmir, not, not like the Mishnah over there, that even water, we only drink water outside this, don't drink water outside the sukkah. One could discuss and I could hear room for both directions. What if a person is in a position where he's not doing this chumrah? You can't. It's too hard. You're, you're, you're at work the whole day. You can't, you, you can't go so long without a thing. Or you're traveling. Whatever it is, you're in a situation where you can't. Sorry? We're traveling to, to 770. We're traveling to the Rebbe. So we ate right. ships and whatever. Right. So uh, there's other reasons there. Also, other things. But fine. But if a person is in a situation where he's not doing the Chumrah, and he doesn't want to do the Halacha, 
this, there may still be room to say, good, you need to drink, you need to be hydrated, so you don't do that part of the Chumrah. But it, one could argue, again, I could hear the argument in both directions, I'm just sort of thinking it out over here. One could argue that there may be room to say, okay, so be lenient and drink water outside the sukkah, but, and, and even, you know, have a coffee, and, uh, and, and whatever, but, but don't, don't eat fruit, because the Maharam Merutenberg holds that even fruit have to be eaten in the sukkah. Or if you're going to eat fruit, fine, eat fruit, eat a, eat a bag of chips, but don't have a steak. Don't have a steak outside the sukkah. That's, that's, um, that's the opinion of Rabbeinu Peretz, that the steak has, to, that steak has to be eaten in the sukkah. So I'm saying that even though we just look at it as, strictly speaking, only bread and mozainas and hamaiti has to be eaten in the sukkah. The chumrah is everything including water. But if, you're, if for whatever reason you're not doing the chumrah, that doesn't automatically mean that you should do everything Besides for bread, may, within the Chumrah itself, there's the spectrum of the, the opinion of the Marami Rutenberg, the opinion of the Rabbeinu Peretz, the opinion of the Rosh, the opinion of the Ran, which we didn't see. So there's reason to sort of break the Chumrah up, dice it up, rather than a complete yay or nay. Alright, now I'm going to continue about wine. Um, you know what? We'll, we'll stop here, and next week we'll talk about wine, and also as that pertains to Kiddush and Havdalah, and also, like I said before, about the L'tayel Basukah, which I'm translating as spending time in the sukkah. So we'll pause here for today.